Happy New Year. That's very good. We're going to begin a new series in our devotional series, um, and we're looking at the meaning of several things, and each one of our deacons or deacons in training are going to be working through uh, the meaning of different aspects of discipleship, including things like what does it mean to... um, to die to yourself? What does it mean to hate your mother, father, and all your family and follow after Jesus? Because these are complicated ideas, and yet they're central or key to discipleship, and we need to understand them in the best way possible. This morning, I'm just going to set the stage for us and talk about the meaning of biblical discipleship and kind of what that, um, kind of what that is on a, on a larger level. Uh, In Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 62, uh, the scripture says this, To another he said, Jesus said, follow me, but, the other, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So so right there we have words that kind of uh, begin to dive into how deep it is to follow Jesus, how important or vital it is to follow Jesus. But those words are very challenging for us, right? What does it mean to let the dead bury their dead? Or what does it mean to, uh, to... put your hand to the plow, and how do we know if we're taking our hand off of it? How do we know if we're running away from this? Because, of course, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be considered not fit for the kingdom of God, right? So we want to do these things. We want to do them right. Um, and that requires us understand discipleship. So we're going to look at what biblical discipleship is, but we have to contrast that in some sense with the modern-day notions of discipleship because they, they really do fall terribly short of what we're supposed to do. Uh, Joseph Crockett, in his article, Is There a Discipline in Our Discipleship?, states that the term disciple, derived from the Latin term, uh, discipulus, is uh, refers to a pupil, a student, and a follower. Related ideas include a learner uh, or to take or to accept. James Sarma, uh, Sarma, Samra, there we go, I'll get it, said uh, in, a, in an article, A Biblical View of Discipleship, um, he proposes that discipleship is used a number of ways throughout the Bible, which of course it is, uh, and sometimes it's used to denote educational, educational training, which is part of discipleship, whether we like that or not. You know, uh, this debate on whether, whether we're intellectuals or whatever is, is um, kind of an irrelevant debate because we have to be at times. And we also have to be relational at times, right? And so there's educational training, and sometimes it signifies life-transforming transformation or the becoming like one's master. And so we we see this over and over uh, inside of Scripture, becoming more like Jesus. Greg Herrick says that the Greek term mathetes generally refers to any student, pupil, apprentice, or adherent as opposed to a teacher. So the disciple is not the teacher, right? In the ancient world, it is most often associated with the people who were devoted followers of a great religious leader or teacher of philosophy. So we often uh, 
think about Socrates and Aristotle and Plato, and really that was the formation or the foundation of this concept of what it means to follow after someone. Okay, although we do see these, uh, this concept or this idea appearing in the Old Testament. Dallas Willard made an astute observation uh, when he revealed that the word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament, and yet the word Christian only appears in his words a scant three times, right? What does it mean to be a Christian? Maybe we're asking the wrong question, especially in light of the fact that the word Christian was, um, in, in some sense, a derogatory term that was coined and given to Christians, not something that they, they were supposed to operate in. And so we've got this idea of disciple occurring so many times. Uh, a person by the name of Klaus Isler, what, I wouldn't like that name. It's hard enough to have my name. But anyway, Klaus Isler defines biblical discipleship as the responsibility to teach all believers to obey everything Christ commanded. We've heard this before, haven't we? The Great Commission, right? Isler states that the Gospel of Matthew records five major discourses by Jesus from which six broad themes are taken. Uh, and a summary of those discourses is found in the Great Commission. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, uh, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word disciple is related to the word discipline, and there's where I think we have a deep problem, uh, especially in the modern church. We don't like, modern world doesn't like dis discipline very much, right? And it's true of the ancient world as well, which is why Solomon and others said that no discipline feels right in the moment, right? None of us like it when it's happening. But there's a, there's a, uh, a thing that it produces, a fruit that it produces. And so that's another piece that we need to look at. So discipleship in the time of Christ uh, is, is something to zero in on. In order to understand biblical discipleship in its fullness, we have to see how it functioned uh, in Jesus' day. He is, of course, our model, and we're walking after him. So Ray Vanderlaan uh, provides rich understanding in, in this area. He notes that discipleship was a very common practice in Christ's day, and especially in the Galilee area. The people of Galilee were the most religious Jews in the world in the time of Jesus. This is quite contrary to the common view that the Galileans were simple, uneducated, uh, that they were peasants, and, and located in some isolated area. The perspective is, that perspective is probably due to uh, the comments made in the Bible, these are his words, which appear to belittle people from the area. Vanderland continues and says that the Galilean people were actually more educated in the Bible and its application than most Jews were. More famous Jewish teachers come from Galilee than anywhere else in the world. They were known for their great reverence for, for Scripture and their passionate desire to be faithful to it. So it's a fascinating thing that we, we even read Scripture and we're like, ah, that's completely backward from what we understand. So, so we have to understand that discipleship in the time of Christ was this following after one's teacher. It included discipline. Um, it, was, it was something that uh, required a deep level of passion and desire uh, to, require, to be faithful, passionate, desirous, and faithful to the scripture. That's what people did back in the day. 
So discipleship also began uh, in early life. Now, we're all looking at this and going, okay, that ship has sailed. These guys are looking at it and saying, perfect timing, right? So, so discipleship is intended to begin in, perf- in, in uh, early life. And yet, uh, Jesus calls his disciples as, as adults. So I love that because it seems to give us all hope, right? We, we tend to look at our lives and go, man, I made a mess of a lot of years. What am I supposed to do? Well, just remember that Jesus invites all of his disciples, uh, all of his disciples to follow him as adults. It's just a fascinating idea. Uh, so discipleship training should begin, begin in early life, but there's, there's uh, room for that, right? Uh, memorization was a key factor in discipleship, and how many of you love memorizing things? Not anybody. I, I would love to. I just can't, right? So anyway, so um, memorization was important during Jesus' day because most people didn't have what? They didn't have a Bible, right? So they had, to, they had to hear these stories, and then they had to internalize them, and then they had to live by them. There may have been uh, synagogues that had kind of like community scrolls or village scrolls, but still, even then, uh, this would have been a hard thing to access regularly. So you have to memorize things. Um, but it's interesting that as a child, if discipleship began in Jewish life uh, as early as it could in life, by the time a child reached um, uh, kind of their bar mitzvah, their, their coming of age, if you will, they were to have most of the Torah memorized, most of the first five books of the Bible memorized. This is a powerful idea, and it's what separates, truly, it's, it's one of the key factors that separates discipleship from today from back then, because they internalize these things, and for us, we just keep referring to Google, right? We just keep running back, and listen, I understand why, and there's no there's no harm in it, but the problem is that there are times in your life when you're encountering something, maybe you're going through hell. I don't know what, what might be happening, but you are trying to hold on to some kind of hope, and yet you can't hold on to any hope because you don't even know what the hope is, right? And you have to Google it, but the internet's down, and now you're just depressed, you know? So, so just, it, just interesting stuff. And if the internet's up, you're probably still on Instagram sending videos to Jacob. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> that is what I do a lot. Anyway, so, um, so discipleship began in early life. Discipleship required memorization. It's something that was key. It's something that we should all strive for. Uh, a disciple was called to imitate their rabbi. This is very, very important. So when we see Jesus say, you know, everything that I've commanded you, I want you to teach people to do that. It was, we have this fight in our modern world that says it's faith alone. And by faith alone, it means it's not work. And not work means we're not, we don't, we're not obligated to anything. And this is totally an, an American, modern, Western stupidity, right? At play right now. And so, so everything was modeled after your master, okay? So think about that. Let's just scrap all the rules for a second. Let's just scrap all the rules and say that the way Jesus walked is the way you're supposed to walk. Are you living close to it? Wow, it's staggering, isn't it? Are you healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons? You're like, ah, Nathan, that's kind of some spiritual hokey stuff. Fine, are you loving people the way Jesus loved them? 
Are you literally forgiving those that are before you that are persecuting you and, and hating you and doing so willfully and you're willing to forgive them? I mean, you can scrap all the rules and I've realized, man, I suck at this, right? Because discipleship meant to follow your teacher. And as I look at following my teacher, I think what happens in modern discipleship is we get so into, do we have the passage understood correctly? Do we have the right interpretation? Whatever it is. Meanwhile, uh, our orthodoxy's nailed down, but our orthopraxy's crap, right? We're, not, we're just not doing anything. And so that becomes a problem. So a disciple would imitate their rabbi. Discipleship entailed learning a lot of scripture. So it's beyond just memorization, right? Train up your children the way they should go, right? That way was God's word. And so now it's learning much scripture. And you think about it in the Old Testament. They were studying these prophets and they were studying these writings. And why were they studying those things? They were studying them so that they knew what they were looking for when Jesus came. Okay, think about how deeply they studied and think about them missing who Jesus was. It's pretty sad. And they were astute. You ain't going to get it if you don't study, right? You'll be that much further behind. So for us, we've got to make sure that we're studying much scripture. Again, not because in the studying we earn heavenly brownie points and God's pleased, but instead because we actually know what we're looking for. We're looking at the world and we're seeing dysfunction and chaos and, and we understand what that is or what lies at the root of it. We, we could understand that what Solomon says that vanity is at the root of things or we could understand in the garden that we have this disorder that we keep propagating in the world, whatever it is. But we learn that because we study scripture and we go, gosh, humanity has the same repeated patterns over and over. You know what that pattern is? Stupid. <laughs> you know, we just keep repeating this pattern constantly. So discipleship entails a lot of learning from Scripture. It also uh, had a, uh, the implication or the, the unspoken expectation of a strict devotion, a strict devotion, that you were, you were, not, you were, not, a, you were not a disciple on Sunday and st- chaos throughout the week, right? You were a disciple at all times. It was like you went out into the world representing your teacher in everything you did. So if you went to work, you represented your teacher. If you went to to play, you represented your teacher, whatever it is, right? And so for a Jew, you go to synagogue, you go to to the city square, you go to all this stuff, and you are to represent Yahweh, for the Christian of the day, you were to represent Jesus. And so this is why people gave the name Little Christs, right? They were like, these people think they're just like him because people were literally acting like him, okay? So um, theological discussions were also a part of discipleship. I know that that is, um, that is much to some people's chagrin because they're like, I don't get it or I don't like this idea, but... Studying theology, studying God is obviously a key part of it. Why? Same reason that studying scripture points our way to understanding the world or the future. Studying God helps us understand what the heck he's doing in it, right? If you see chaos happening and you know that God is in control, what do you conclude? Well, how much you know of theology or how much you study God will determine what conclusion you come to. You might go, I think God is a malevolent jerk and I think he likes to torture humanity, (laughs) right? And then you would be tapping into some Greco-Roman ideas. Or you could look at it and say, God is in control 
And there's chaos happening because this is either a result of sin and disorder from humanity or God is judging something. And that, both are possible, right? Both are possible. Um, Transparency and accountability were norms in discipleship. So you had to be able to look at each other and go, what the heck are you doing? Are you acting like Jesus? Nope. Well, get your act together. What, how does this separate from modern-day discipleship? Modern-day discipleship, again, doesn't want disciplined, and so modern-day discipleship doesn't want to be accountable, and modern-day discipleship doesn't even want people to butt into their relationship with them and God, right? So to quote the amazing prophet Tupac Shakur, right? This is between me and God, right? No, it's not. It's, it's between you and God, and it's between your brothers and sisters all around you, right? So uh, last thing, though, is that discipleship meant uh, commitment. It meant commitment in every area of your life, right? So uh, Christ was a rabbi to such a degree that people submitted their life, they submitted their will, they submitted their time, they submitted their plans, they submitted their desires, they submitted their dreams, their character, their efforts fully to him. And I think what we do in our modern discipleship is we segregate those things. We go, okay, my dreams are mine, and then church stuff is God's, right? But all of this stuff is God's. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be answering these questions or defining these ideas of the meaning of certain things. So I want you to understand the meaning of discipleship is far bigger than what we know today. It literally means looking like Jesus, following after him with absolute devotion in every area of our life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you do, for your grace, for your uh, love, for your teaching, for your constant effort to rescue us and to save us and to uh, protect us, Lord. We are grateful for it. We ask today that you would help us through teaching, through promptings of your spirit, through accountability from one another. We ask that you would help us to look more like you each and every day. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.